welcome to Fright Fix. My name's Sook. My name's Celia. Celia, how are you doing today on this wonderful, warm, early summer? Sunny day. <laughs> no, it's lovely. I feel like um, last time we had an episode, it was pouring with rain. We didn't know when it was going to end. And now it's sunny, the birds are chirping, and oh, just in a great mood. <laughs> how are you? My favourite thing about this weather is that the grass grows a lot faster and mm. I love nothing more than mowing the lawn. I've started, uh, started like mowing it super slowly just so the experience lasts a bit longer as well. So, um, <laughs> Is it like therapeutic? Oh man, it's, yeah, that's when I'm truly uh, with at peace. one with myself <laughs> at peace. <laughs> oh, it's the little things, sir. it's the little things. This week, we'll be reviewing the 2013 horror movie, The Conjuring, directed by James Wan. It stars Vera Farmiga as Lorraine Warren and Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren. Find your Fright Fix anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Fright Fix Podcast. Now, before we continue, we have to give you the obligatory spoiler warning. So if you haven't already watched the movie, what are you waiting for? Just stop, pause this podcast, go watch it and come back. <laughs> So, in 1971, Roger and Carolyn Perrin move into a farmhouse with their five daughters, only to be plagued by paranormal activity. Reaching the end of their tether, Carolyn requests the help of Lorraine and Ed Warren, well-known demonologists and ghost hunters. The pair find many ghosts haunting the house, but none as terrifying as Bathsheba, a witch who possesses Caroline, and forces Ed Warren to perform an exorcism for the first time. Ooh. I feel like when you said The Conjuring, I hope all the audience went, yes, horror <laughs> <Our> film. <laughs> oh man, every time I hear the words The Conjuring, it just like makes me happy on the inside. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those classics, isn't it? And you, the word The Conjuring, it's so good. It just says it all. Yeah, do you know that the film was very almost called The Warren Files? Oh no, I don't like that. <laughs> I think the conjuring is so much better. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a bit more mysterious. Yeah, the Warren Files could be anything. It could be, well, the X-Files or something to do with crime or law. Or something. It does, doesn't it? It does sound like that, doesn't it? It doesn't sound creepy enough. Conjuring, like, just sounds magical and like witches exactly. and whatnot. Fits the bill. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think? So it's typical horror film, I think. There's not too many layers to it. You know, last week we were talking about there's so much behind <laughs> of horror films, you know. This is just, you get your scares. It has all of the tropes while also being very playful with the way that it does it. But at the end of the day, for me, it's just one of those fright fixes almost uh, where you get your fix of horror and you get that spine tingling feeling. Um, but you're not left with too much to think about afterwards, you know. Just is a very nice piece of horror. Um, yes. I like the fact that it's based on a true story and it kind of gives it a bit of gravitas. Mm. And it leaves you with a sense that, oh, maybe this could happen to me because if it's true, then, you know, it, it, it leaves you wondering if you're uh, not a skeptic. Um, and it does have some really cool haunting ideas. Um, I picked up on a few that I'd never seen before, and you can correct me if they were in other ones. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the voice is not playing back. On the recording when oh, yeah. you know I thought that was cool um I think the clapping game oh, the that's creepy. I like that one <laughs> I think that was really creepy um yeah the hanging sound do you, you know I think it was more towards the beginning of the film there was a few scenes where they used the sound of a rope when someone has been hanged oh I didn't remember that bit there's a bit where um Lorraine Warren's walking down to the the, the creek or whatever's in front of the house. Yes, that river by the house, behind the house. Yeah. yeah, and there's like a, I don't know how to explain it, it is the sound of some someone being hanged. Sure, sure. Um, but you only hear the sound, and I thought that was really interesting, because it's an unmistakable sound that you probably wouldn't mistake it for anything if you knew what it was. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's hints throughout the film of, um, they've really thought about how they can play on the ghosty trope yeah. Of a haunted house yeah. um, and, and push it. Yeah, 100% agree. What do you think? What was your overall thoughts? Pretty much everything you just said, really. It is very tropey. This movie kind of like, um, it doesn't leave any question unanswered. It kind of 
answers every question and I found it kind of like leaves everything tied up in a neat bow at the end and uh, one thing I couldn't help feeling for this especially the second half of the movie was if Scooby-Doo had an adult live action movie it would be this. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> and uh, just that whole kind of like, you know, like the earlier episodes of Scooby-Doo when they're like, someone's haunting something and then the gang have to, mm. I don't know, solve the mystery. It kind of felt a bit like that, which which in itself isn't a bad thing. I just kind of found it quite amusing, to be honest. But this film, for me, I don't know too much about the backstory because, you know, it is allegedly based on a true story. Um but as a movie, just in itself, it's, it's pretty important to me. Not because it's good or bad or anything, but more so because it was like the first horror movie I'd like properly watched. Right. Or was forced to watch. <laughs> and uh, I remember being absolutely terrified the first time around. And um, mm. like, this is my second time watching the film. And like I wasn't as scared the second time around. Like I wasn't, mm. you know, like hiding behind someone this time around. I think I could have comfortably just watched it on my own. Yeah. But uh, I think it holds up. I think it's still a very solid movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anything's aged particularly badly, considering it's no. like 10 years old now or something, or give or take. It is. And, you know, say you, when you're saying that it's the first kind of horror film that you saw, I do think that this was kind of an introduction for a lot of people into horror, because I remember when it came out and I was mm. at school, there was almost a kind of, you were popular if you went to the cinema <laughs> and you saw The Conjuring, you know? <laughs> like... Every teenager watched it. And I think you. I was at that age where you kind of wanted to show that you weren't scared of things like that. And everyone was like, oh, the country is really scary. Oh, and sure. you go, oh, it wasn't scary. I don't care. You know, <laughs> like yeah. all the kids trying to prove to each other that they're not scared. And so I think it's it has something in that is that, like we said, it's not too deep. There's not too many kind of gory details because this is kind of just after saw i think so he's kind of bringing it back from that gruesome basically just can you can you stomach it that torture to, stuff exactly yeah. to can you hold your nerve which is a completely different type of film i think it's just i've seen a lot of horror movies since this one and i still think they uh this movie is like the master of that kind of uh just staring down corridors or looking down basements or anything yeah and what i like about it is that they don't spend too much time setting up the scene. Like the ghosts are there from the beginning, you know, they're tapping on the walls, they're creeping up the stairs. Like it doesn't take long for you to get scared. Yeah. It's like the opposite of I am the pretty thing that lives in this house where you're waiting for something for so long and then nothing happens. Oh, it's no. just like you don't even have a chance to no. this is get, a get comfortable sure, with the yeah. family. Or... <laughs> yeah. It's just Especially the first that. 45 minutes is just nonstop, like, scare off the scare so. i don't know how they lasted that long to be honest mm. without yeah something i noticed just this time around which i didn't really pick up on the first time but you know when you we're we're first introduced to the family mm. the camera is inside the house looking out the window mm -hmm. that's the very first shot you see the family and then the camera pulls out and it kind of follows them well you know the camera's still in the house but it kind of follows them coming to the front door mm. and it felt like is that the 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 demon watching them from inside the house because you know yeah, you could have just yeah. done like the, the shining where it follows the car going mm -hmm. down the road or anything but it's very kind of I think that's quite intentional yeah that's a good point and it's made me think actually that a lot of the beginning of the film you never see the family outside of the house they're always in the house so yeah it's very much tied to the house itself like the husband goes away but the family staying like it I think it's when Caroline or Carolyn goes to see um, the Warrens. That's the first time we see her out of the house or yes, off the ground. I think so I think you might be right, actually. I wonder why that was. Maybe it was budgetary reasons. It could be budgetary, but it also you could say that it's to do with the fact that it's uh, they're trapped by the house. You know, you watch yeah, them come in from, from, like you say, from this kind of perspective of the house and then yeah. they get drawn in and essentially they don't leave until it comes to the... The house clutches onto them. Their yeah, souls. with its creepy long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the casting and acting in the film? Well, I... Uh, yeah, couldn't fault it. I mean, uh, look... With the Ed and Lorraine Warren's casting, like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, like they are just spot on. Mm -hmm. I just, 
oh man the chemistry between the two like yeah. they've been in about five movies together now or something i kind of lost count but i could just watch them if they released a movie together every year like a silly mm-hmm. ghost story movie every year i would just keep watching it even yeah. if it's like ed and lorraine warren go to the corner shop and solve the <laughs> the milk ghost or something like i would keep watching it <laughs> And um, like, uh, I mean, on an unrelated note, I, I watched the third Conjuring movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, it was just seeing them again in there. It was just mm-hmm. felt like two characters you're familiar with. And you just yeah. see them again. They're, they're two of the, two of my favourite characters, genre-wide, like the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like uh, uh, Ron Livingston as the dad. Like, he's just, oh, yeah. uh, he's just great in everything he's in. And it's nice to see him play a more kind of, secondary subdued kind of role like mm. not you know he's not the hero of the film which is pretty good yeah and, uh, yeah I thought all the kids were pretty cool as well um I mean what were your thoughts on the cast well about the the casting of the Warrens absolutely the same I mean I would actually just like to see their relationship as well I'm not a massive romance for, um, uh, film watcher so I wouldn't want that but I would like to see them from when they met and how they got into this kind of sure. I mean we do get that throughout the films but you know just because their chemistry is so good they could hold their own just mm. talking about their relationship and their family and things like that and I think um Vera does a really good job of portraying the emotion that she feels yeah. as a clairvoyant um, I think you know that heartbreaking bit where she has that vision of her daughter in the water. Oh man! It was yeah. t- and she was and she was on the phone to her her mother saying, "Put put my daughter on the phone. Put my daughter on the phone." Yeah. Her name. And you could see the terror in her eyes and her it face. Felt real, she, didn't it? It felt really real. <laughs> and that relief when she was like, "She's fine. She's she's fine." It felt like a real mother and a real daughter, and she really had this kind of premonition. Um, so I think they're great. My only my only fault with the the choices, and it's not a fault because if it is allegedly based on a true story, mm-hmm. this family did have that many children. I think it's five children, five girls, okay, or something like that. But it felt like they could have done the same thing with two um, children, or maybe. So I got confused about which child was doing what and how each one of them were affected because there were so many of them. And they all just one... blurred into one for me. I can't, I could exactly. not pick them out in a in a lineup or anything. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I couldn't. I think apart from Joey King, who played Christine, I think um, she was the one that had her foot grabbed in the bed, and she was terrified, sure, and she sure. was really good. Um, the others kind of blended in together, and I didn't really get. And I and I just thought that they could have done it with two children or maybe three children, but it felt like there were just a few too many for them to really have a character to them. Yeah. That would be my only thing. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. I mean, the fact that, I mean, yeah, they did just all blur into one for me. They just look, they all like wore those at nighttime. They all wore those kind of long nightgown type things. They had Mm -hmm. the long straight hair. They kind of, yeah. I mean, man, when they were wearing those long nightgowns, they kind of looked like ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) Demons or something. There were a few moments where they're just like, they're standing on the stairs or whatever. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah. Yeah. But I get that this is based on a true family who had that many children. And I think it must've been hard to think, okay, what are we gonna do with this many children? How do we make sure that they're all part of it? Sure. Because you can't just have one thing happen to each of them. <laughs> you have to have, you know, a kind of buildup of things. And I think, so they had one that was sleepwalking and banging her head on the wall. That was her thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christine, um, I think that's the right one, had her foot grabbed and think she sees something. Yeah. There's the moody teenager, which is in every film. <laughs> Who didn't really do much. And then there was another one who, there was two more actually. Yeah, there were five altogether. There was a young one yeah. who did the clapping game with her mum. Then there was another one that didn't do anything. Was she the one with the imaginary friend? Was it Rory or whatever? Yeah, that was the little one. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another one that nothing happened to. Sure. But she was in the same room as um, Christine when yeah. uh, and she was like, oh, there's something behind the door. She got up and looked, but that was that was her thing. Yeah, it's probably difficult for them to take any real artistic liberty with it because I think at the time the movie was made, the uh, Elizabeth Warren was still alive, and um, the mother parent or whatever I forget her name was. I think they visited the set of the movie and yeah. would have consulted on it. So if you nipped yeah. one of their children out of the movie, yeah. maybe they would have taken it offensively, or I don't know. One yeah, of exactly. Or something. So I know that they're tied to. Uh, what it's based on so that yeah 
and and just from a film point of view it was that there might have been too many and if they had the license the artistic license to be able to maybe get rid of a few that would have been fine as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there was something about this movie where because there were so many people in the house the house kind of felt bustling and alive a little bit mm-hmm. to a degree whereas yeah I mean how many horror movies have you seen where there's like two people living in a large house yeah. and it just every feels other room's like... empty yeah 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 so I've got a question for you actually cold bedrooms funky smells mm. what's that all about <laughs> well that is a good question I mean the cold room thing I've always thought and this is my theory about why ghosts um, make a room cold yeah. Is that um they suck all the they suck all the life out of wherever they are. So you think of death as obviously cold and it also sucks all the emotion out of a place. And that I suppose it's supposed to be that it puts you on edge when you shiver. Mm. Even if it's if it's out of cold and not out of being scared, it put it puts you on edge. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what that feeling is, is Jeez. that and and another thing about being cold is we were all cold all the time. We could walk into a room right now and have a shiver up our spine. Oh, no. You know, you could think, oh, is that a ghost? What is that? (laughs) I think it's a really clever thing that films do because everybody has a little cold patch in their house or a draft under a door that makes you up the hairs on the neck, back of your neck stand up. Um, But I do think that the cold and the smell and everything like that, because it's based off a true story, yeah. they've stuck very much with the story from um, the parents. Yeah. And they say that they had cold spots in all the room and that there was a sulfur putrid smell yeah. coming out of um, of the rooms that they think the demons were in. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah so There were loads of, sequ- loads of scenes in the movie where um, the kids kept complaining about a smell. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there may have been significance to it. I just think it's that kind of putrid smell of death. <laughs> That's what I thought. Um, and it's a it's a warning and an omen to what's to come. Oh, no. I feel like maybe you never see a ghost just come up to your bed and be like, rah. They, they, <laughs> they can't just walk up to you and say, here I am in my full, as a full apparition. Maybe it's the different senses that can be targeted because you've got the cold touch. Mm. You've got the smell. You'll then get the sight of a ghost it kind of hits all the senses at different times yeah. and then when you put it all together you have this possession oh, yeah. of some sort um yeah yeah and also there was was there any so every time it hit seven minutes past three o'clock the you know some ghostly activity would happen and the mm. movie says it's something to do with that's the time Bathsheba had uh, hung herself from the tree yeah. or something right so in um is the the seven past three just an arbitrary time they've picked or is there some kind of significance to that I don't know I mean on from the true story they say that it's 5 15 in the morning oh that certain things happened and that's the only time I could find when I was looking up kind of what the what the story behind it was and it didn't ever say anything about seven minutes past three so I do think that that was just something that they took because it's a very good indicator of um, the first signs of a haunting because if you're what if your clock stops you're not going to be like oh my god we need to get out of the house there's a ghost <laughs> you know you're going to be like that's annoying that's weird and if they all stop yeah and so I think it's it just builds it up they didn't start with the pulling of the leg and seeing full body apparitions they started with things going slightly weird oh, and the fact that they all start at the same time and I think that's kind of what the stopping of the clocks mean but I don't think that there's anything significant about yeah, it. It's, it's interesting that they uh, didn't even just go with the the mm. real time that they said, not not five in the morning, and they went with three in the morning. I wonder why. Well, the witching hour is three in the morning. What's so the witching hour? It's just um, kind of an old wives' tale that it's the it, it's the hour in which the the scary things of the world come oh, out. Yeah. My mum always used to tell me on Halloween that I had to be asleep by three in the morning because that's the witch. <laughs> And that's when the, thing, the ghosts and the ghouls come out. Um, I'm sure there's a lot behind that folklore. Um, but I've always, yeah, I've always thought of three in the morning. If you look out your window, you're going to see a witch on a broom. You're going to see a ghost crawling out of its hiding place. And oh, it all kicks off. Oh, your mum's got a lot to answer for, hasn't she? I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know the bit where um, the mother 
first does uh, she goes into the daughter's bedroom and the daughter's talking to imaginary friend Rory and she has this little toy that with a with a pop-up lid and there's a mirror which spins around and she the little kid says to her mom oh yeah if you um look at that spinning mirror and wait for the music to stop and Rory will appear behind you or something like any time there's kids in horror movies with imaginary friends or like oh yeah Stephanie yeah she's sitting right there like it scares the hell out of me every single time and it's a like such a such a cheap spooky thing that just works on me all the time you're so right. Like, it's so creepy because kids actually do have imaginary friends. <sighs> so I can imagine if you were watching the film and your daughter, you know, had an imaginary friend, you'd be like, oh, my God, is she actually talking to a ghost? <laughs> it's like my sister used to have imaginary friends and she was yeah. like, I never really thought much about it at the time, but terrifying. Maybe it was a ghost. <laughs> I think there's an, there's an innocence to children that make them really scary because she... She doesn't know that she's talking to a ghost. No. I mean, if something popped up behind me in a mirror, I'd be so scared, but she was not scared. And no. so it's kind of like, la, 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 I've got a friend. You can see my friend too. And the fact that her mum actually did the, um, it looked in the mirror. Yeah. It's like, oh, come on. I would be like, no, thank you. <laughs> you have your, your imaginary friend. I'll just oh. stay over here. Me- <laughs> Maybe we need to make a horror movie where uh, it has all the tropes, but then the characters do the right thing each time, <laughs> and then there's no movie. It would be so short. Mummy, do you want to meet my imaginary friend? No, thank you. Goodbye. Do you want to play hide and seek? Nope. <laughs> Neither are you. What's behind this wood panelling? Nothing. Okay, no. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, it just reminded me of... Um, so, I, so just before COVID had started and Sonic the Hedgehog was in the cinema. Oh, yeah. And I took my nephew to watch Sonic the Hedgehog in the cinema because he likes Sonic and he's only like six or seven or something. And um, so um, so uh, we got home and we decided to record a video of us reviewing the movie. Oh, yeah. So so at the time, so he picked up a whole bunch of these movie posters and goodies from the cinema. I think he was just super excited. So he brought home all this junk and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so we're upstairs in my parents' bedroom. And we're sitting on the floor and I kind of uh, rested the camera against like, mm-hmm. I don't, don't remember some cabinet or something. And we pretended we were doing like a YouTube review and like, he's quite, he, you know, he's only a kid. So he watches all these YouTubers go, yeah, like and subscribe, you know? Like, <laughs> so he's just like, um, so I'm like prompting him with questions on how to review yeah. the movie. Like, well, you know, what do you think? And blah, blah, blah. And then he whispers uh, like every now and again, he'd whisper in my ear. Cause he, he didn't realize that, you could just edit a video. He thought you had to like do in right. one big bit. So he'd whisper yeah. in my ear, like asking me questions, like what's that actor's name or what? Okay. Yeah. yeah so we'd done this for about half an hour's worth of recording just to trim it down to like two minutes or whatever. But um, he then whispers in my ear, uh, who's that man on the bed? And. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> and I, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, he's like that. This, um, you know, the man on the bed, and uh, I'm like too afraid to turn around and look at oh, the bed because it's just God. me and him in the room. Yeah, and uh, I mean, my parents' house is like an old Victorian house anyway, so it's yeah. a bit freaky anyway. As it is, but uh, so then I slowly turned at the bed, and there's nothing there. And I'm like, whispered back in his ear, like, there is no man on. Oh, the bed. you're making give a shivers up my spine. <laughs> I I freaked out. I've still got the video, and you can see the point where my expression changes. Changes, and you slowly look behind you. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Um, I mean, it, the bed wasn't behind me. It was kind of like at my did, two o'clock. Did he explain what? Yeah, so we kept doing it, and I kept saying to him like, "There is no man on the bed. It's oh, what are you talking God. about?" So then um, he goes, "Yeah, what's his name? The one who's on the one who's on the bed." And then I don't know. I think I had a bit of a horror movie moment where I got up and went to the bed, like you yeah. know. So because I was thinking, okay, he's only a kid. I, I don't know. I don't know what possessed me to just get up. I mean, any other if it was just me on my own, I would have just run away. But yeah, I went to the bed and I looked. There's no one there. And then I saw it was one of his posters. And he was referring to the picture, the picture of the guy. Oh, so he's saying, "Who's what's that man on the poster on the bed?" Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> See, if if that was a horror film and you'd gone up to walk over to the bed, we would be shouting at them. So get out! Don't go there. <laughs> so you actually did what we tell them not exactly. to do. Exactly, and I think it was more to do with the fact that I felt a bit protective over him. Yeah. 
is my my sister's like only son so so I think maybe long story long tangent maybe that's why the mother looked in the mirror yeah okay that actually (laughs) that genuinely makes more sense now that you've said that oh god I keep looking in you know behind my shoulder now just in case (laughs) yeah I don't even want to know what's behind me Yeah, that'd be a completely different podcast Ugh. talking about our paranormal experiences. Now that's an episode I like to record at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. did you have a favorite scene in the film? I don't. It's, it's a bit of a weird one because I, I don't think I had a, any favorite scene in this movie. It was just there was a lot that I liked, a lot of little things that I liked. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, li- I kind of liked the fact that the movie was very simple. It was mm-hmm. very clear who the villain was. It was very, you know, motivations were clear. And, uh, you know, there was no kind of, they weren't, I mean, this is the first movie in like, what is like a 10 part series now or something mm-hmm. in the Conjuring movie universe. And I like the fact that they weren't trying to build up future movies in this. They they yeah. dedicated the entire runtime to this one movie, but I like little things in this film. Like, um, I like the clapping scene. Yeah. Like, oh man. And when then that, then the cupboard opens when, you know, the mother's wearing the blindfold and she's following the claps. And then, you know, you see these hands hands come out of the cupboard very slowly and just, you know, that was kind of freaky. I really like the scene where the daughter is in bed and she's just looking at the dark corner Mm -hmm. in the room and she's like, he's looking at us. He's looking Mm -hmm. at us. Or she's looking yeah. at us. Then the other yeah. sister gets up, goes to the corner, says, there's no one here. And she's like, she's right behind you. Yeah. Like, just that kind of stuff just freaks me out. Like I'd said with the last week's movie, it's just watching this movie again, but with like a proper sound system this time around. Mm. Celia, it makes a you, difference. you have to get something, even if it's just like a budget type thing, like yeah. get something with a sub. Like it just mm. breathes new life into these things. It's mm. kind of insane, really. Wow. And uh, one thing I noticed with this movie that I bet there's loads of movies that do use this same thing, but there's a lot of, you know, these old creaky houses, mm-hmm. like there's a, a lot of the sound effects in the movie are just bits of wood rubbing mm. up and banging against other bits of wood. Yeah. And that just like, it was so noticeable this time around and it mm. bloody works. Like, um, oh, yeah. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so I think that's it's probably a bit of a cop-out answer. So I didn't really have a favourite scene, but the stuff I've just described to you is stuff that yeah. I really, really enjoyed in this movie. How about yourself? Did you have a, did you have a favourite scene? I, well, it's, it's kind of like yours. You know, there are things about the film that I really like. Like I said at the beginning, new ways of thinking about paranormal activity and, and, and ghosts um, and the way that they play with people, I think is really fun. And like you said about the clapping, I thought that was a great scene. And also, I don't know if you could see it, but I was watching it on a laptop. Was there anything behind the door when she was saying there's something behind you? Because all I could see was black. Yeah, yeah. So I watched it on the downstairs TV and uh, I, for the life of me, couldn't make out any detail in the back. So um, Mm. I was trying to, and in my head, I had a false memory where there was someone behind the door, but Mm. when I watched it this time... Because I was waiting for eyes or something. Well, maybe that's the point, like you're supposed to question whether you could see something or not and you're straining to try and see something that might be more powerful you know yeah I I reckon that is so that's I thought that was really cool um like you said I really loved the um washing line scene I was just gonna say that yeah (laughs) that was so good so she's putting the washing up on the washing line and then there's the storm and um the wind blows a white sheet off the washing line and it it hits a body and you see the outline of someone standing there and what I love about that was the flow of you see the outline of the body and then it the 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 sheet goes up to that window smacks gets the window and then it flies away and then in the window you see Bathsheba looking yes. at Lorraine and I just thought that was brilliant the whole flow of that because you yeah. think you've had your your scare Yes. By seeing the the figure behind the the sheet, and then it gives you a second one, and she walks slowly away, and you know that the mum is in that room. Yeah. I thought that was so cool, and I haven't seen anything like that. I don't think up until that point, there's a, there's a kind of a reprieve for about ten minutes or something where the mm-hmm. family's all together, they're all eating their breakfast together, and you think, okay, yeah. they're safe in numbers. Suddenly, mum goes outside. I mean, no, Vera goes outside. That happens. Yeah. Don't see it coming. 
It's so good. And I think, you know, you feel that safety because the Warrens are there and they know that they know what they're doing. And so, yeah, you get this reprieve. You think that, like, they've got it under control. They're setting up all their bells. They're putting all their little Scooby-Doo, like you said, Scooby-Doo traps around. Mm. <laughs> but that can't save you from Bathsheba the Witch. Oh, dear. No, no. Was there another scene you liked or anything? Uh, there was one other thing. It's not a scene, but it was just something that I picked up that I thought was really cool. So the mum... Um, her kind of thing is that she's very motherly and she loves the children and she will yeah. do anything for her children. But I noticed that when she, well, around the time that she gets possessed by Bathsheba, there's like hints that she's changing before, you know, there's the proper change um, and she becomes fully... Well, the bruising and stuff like that. Yeah, way before the bruising, before she goes all pale and starts being really weird at the end. Yeah. They they hint to it by her not caring for her kids as much because I noticed it twice. Oh yeah. So you know when the one of the daughters sleepwalks and triggers some of the I think the cameras and she walks when up she's the stairs. walking upstairs. Yeah. yeah, and they all follow her, but the mother doesn't. I think she just, it's like she doesn't care anymore. She doesn't care about what. And then oh. the door closes and they're all banging on the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get yeah. her out. And the mum's not there. Yeah. And so I think like, because the dad is trying to get in, trying to get in. And normally Carolyn is, you know, she does everything for her kids. Yeah, She yeah. would have been right there. And then they bang open the door and, you know, he goes over to his daughter and then Carolyn walks in and she just stands by the door doesn't mm. scream, doesn't like run towards her daughter or anything like that. She just stands there. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, there's something going on there because she's not normally like that. And then it happens again when the other daughter gets her hair pulled. <laughs> well, I say pulled like it's just somebody twigs her hair. No, she gets thrown around the room. Oh, by the her proper hair. poltergeisty moment. Yeah. The poltergeisty moment. I noticed that the mum's just standing in the corner with no expression on her face. I need to watch that bit again. I did not pick up on that. Yeah. And she just doesn't look like she cares at all. And so that's why I was like, oh, that's really clever because it's the opposite of who she is. Yeah, yeah. And her motherhood is what brings her out of the exorcism in the end anyway. That, when that Lorraine's like, remember yeah. your kids, remember the beach that you went to, and that kind of helps her out of it. So clearly her kids are everything to her. But I just thought that was really mm. interesting that they decided to show her disconnect because it's not really her anymore. Yeah. At what point do you think um, the mother first was kind of tainted by the the by the spirit where, where did it happen i think i think it was from the first bruises so that but, first night that they stayed yeah. there i reckon she bathsheba latched onto her yeah from the very beginning and she slowly kind of you know was there a point of contact where it first happened or was it just did she just was she just i don't know just enveloped when she walked into the house for the first time or something yeah because I, I i think she was probably targeted because she was the mother mm. um and well, this is just my theory, because I don't know if there's any point, because she gets the bruises straight away after the first night where not really much else happens. Mm. And I do think those bruises are from the beginning of the possession. So I think she probably just latched onto her and slowly started kind of feeding off her or, or whatever she was doing to yeah. try and taint her. What yeah. do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, because once the bruising started to happen, I was like, wait, when did this start? When, what, what happened? Like what triggered this? Like, was she, mm. but then I was thinking like, had the first, you know, she has the moment where she goes downstairs and all the pictures fall down off the, off the wall. Yeah. And uh, I mean, one interesting thing about that was they hung up the pictures before they even painted the walls. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Crazy. But there's the bit where she goes down into, or she's, I think she's like kind of pushed down the stairs into the basement. Is that, yeah. was she bruising before that bit? Yeah, she was, because it was definitely the first, I think it was one of the first nights yeah. she gets bruised. So I think it was before that happened, because that was a pretty serious, I think she went to the Warrens after that incident. Yeah. Oh. So that must have been at least a quarter of the way through. Yeah. yeah. And the bruises were happening before then. Mm. So, Yeah. Yeah. On a on an unrelated note, um, something I did like about this movie is there was this kind of uh, confidence with the the camera pans and uh, mm -hmm. the way the camera kind of like pushed in or zoomed in a few times, which was quite uh, seamless and it was just yeah, it's just really confident camera motions. And uh, generally with horror movies, they tend not to be that experimental with their camera moves. Yeah, like how a Hollywood blockbuster Transformers movie would be or something. I thought that was kind mm -hmm. of 
kind of cool. It just reminded me of Sam Raimi's uh, like Evil Dead movies, like a few of the yeah. few of the few of the motions. Just gives it that kind of dynamic element to it, doesn't it? Where you can play around with the way that you use the set because mm. really they don't move very often, like we were saying before. So figuring out how you and maybe it's what you were saying before about. You're kind of seeing it through the eyes of whatever's possessing the house. I didn't think of that. That's quite, you might be right there, actually. And and moving uh, through the house and panning forwards, panning back, kind of gliding around almost. Gliding around, yeah, yeah. Because some of the, yeah, it's quite smooth, some of the, uh, yeah, camera motion. And also, I I thought the the, the points where the film looked super grainy, and I was thinking, oh, are they making it look like it was shot in the 70s or something? like? uh, Hmm. And it's only I read up afterwards that that was entirely intentional. Like they had had studied horror movies of the 70s and tried to make it look like that. So that was quite. Well, I suppose it adds to that authenticity, doesn't it? Of It's Mm. a true story and this is a real family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Sadie, like it makes it very clear at the beginning of the movie that this is like based on a true story, right? Now, I have not read up on the true story. I don't know anything Mm. about it. And I don't I don't know if I want to read up. But but you like. I think ever since we started this podcast, I know you've watched this film a few times and I know you like it. And I, yeah. I've just always wanted to discuss that true story element with you. And yeah. I don't know, if you do know anything about it, please do educate me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's actually pretty simple. They say, Ed and Lorraine Warren, that everything in this film, apart from one element, is true. So can you guess what that one element is? That was not true. That was not true. There was one thing that they did in the film that wasn't true. Everything else was true. What? Okay. I, I thought you were going to say there was like loads of things that were just... I mean, I'm talking about the main story, like the whole... Hmm. What could not have been true? Uh, interesting. I bet someone died or something. I, uh, maybe. No. <laughs> no, we would have kept that in. That's, that's good. good. That's good for the um, ratings. I'll give you a clue. It's about reputation. Oh, um... Let me guess. Either Ed and Lorraine Warren were like crooks or the family faked it or something. Is it one of those? No, it's not that big. No, it's not that big. Think smaller. Think the whole, everything is true apart from one tiny element. It was one tiny, tiny thing. Not, not tiny, but one more guess. Um, No idea. I'm I'm drawing a blank here. (laughs) Um, So the only thing that they say they did differently was Ed never performed the exorcism at the end. What? Okay. But since it can only be done by a Catholic priest. So when it was talking about, I was saying about reputation, I think they were very clear that they didn't do it because they didn't want to get reprimanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for doing it. So whether that's true or not, in terms of if they were just saying that they didn't do it and then they put it in the film, I don't know. <laughs> but they say that that's the only thing that wasn't true, wasn't true throughout the film. So Lorraine always claimed to be a clairvoyant and a medium, the real... Lorraine Warren and had this ability to communicate to spirits and demons yeah and up to the day that she died so Ed passed away in 2006 and she passed away in 2009 yeah Lorraine maintained that almost every single detail of The Conjuring is accurate and like you said before she was a major consultant on all the sequels prequels this film next film all of them she was really involved in um yeah consulting on them and making sure that they had accurately her, her relationship and the details of, of the stories and it uh, what I found interesting was the aftermath of, so after the you know the possession and everything in the film ends yeah Roger Perrin the father apparently in real life apparently kicked the Warrens out of the home concerned about his wife's mental stability what yeah saying that she couldn't handle it and that they needed to leave and according to Andrea who's their oldest daughter the family couldn't afford to move out of the house, and then until ten years later, so they stayed there for ten years. Ten years. Well, that and was said, uh, that was made up in the movie then as well, then wasn't it? Exactly. That the end. Well, I suppose that's yeah, that's something that you could say mm. wasn't true. And they said most of the hauntings continued. Wow. Over those ten years. So what happened? So, so they said that you know they exercised Bathsheba, and at that point, Roger was like, "We can't do this anymore." Like, it's too much, you need to leave. And yeah, for the next 10 years, they stayed in that house. Um, And actually, interestingly, a woman named Bathsheba actually lived next door to that farmhouse because there's um, she's buried in a cemetery with her husband and you can see (laughs) her name on the grave. 
Yeah, yeah. So her husband and her son. Her name's Bathsheba. So it's a real person. Oh man, we need to uh, do a, a road trip and go see this house. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to have to plot out a map of all the the haunted houses around. Yeah, but it didn't look like the house that um, that they shot in. Um, it was a lot smaller. But yeah, apparently all of the um, the the exorcism and the the hauntings and everything was exactly how it was. In real life. I don't know how much of it I believe, I have to admit. I am a bit of a sceptic. Sure, sure, sure. Only because in my mind, it's like, I don't know how you feel about it, but that was so obviously um, evidence of ghosts. Like, it was so obvious, but why don't we all know about it? Yeah. Like, why isn't it just part of, oh, by the way, we now know ghosts exist because we have all this evidence. But we don't. No. Where where are the video recordings or the... um... It's weird how you can get a video recording of, I don't know, an eagle riding on the back of a whale who's <laughs> doing this or whatever, you know, but you can't get a single. Exactly. You could take a photo of a black hole about a billion light years away, but you can't show us evidence. Yeah. exist. Unless it's like a little grain of dust and then it's uh, an orb or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 strange because like yeah, I, mentally I try to debunk where I can and just try to mm-hmm. make sense of it. But but there's still something about hearing a story and it's still sending shivers up your spine. And yeah. Yeah. There's still something about that. And uh, yeah, and I think also the fact that it's like the people in the story are still alive. You know, the children of the story are still alive, and they're still saying that it happened. It happened. Yeah. It is quite close to home. We're not talking about Victorians that left behind a diary that said, "Oh, forsooth, I saw a ghost," and that was very scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've sat down for interviews. Andrea, the oldest daughter, has done quite a few interviews about it. Wow, and um, they all corroborate each other's story. Yeah, that's insane. That is yeah. insane. Yeah, and she said she watched um, watched her mother while she was. Um, being exercised is that the right word yeah 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 um and that she was speaking in a tongue that was not her own so she was speaking a language that she didn't know um Mm. which you know maybe evidence maybe not yeah yeah and i do think it just gives this film like i said at the beginning a sense of gravitas that even a skeptic can question and say oh well if you know even if you if you did a little bit of research and find that Bathsheba's a real person, that these were real families, you know, the photos at the end, it might just make you think, ooh. Yeah, it's when they show those photos over the credits at the end where it gets a bit real, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I I like that. I like it when films do that and they they show the, the reality and it brings it home. You're like, oh, yeah, no, these are real people. Yeah, I I, um. Yeah, so I, I just looked into um, a bit of the background of that house thing, and uh, oh, yeah. I noticed um, a, a little, yeah, a little factoid. So um, eight generations of families lived and died in the house before the Perrins uh, moved in. Wow. Andrea Perrin suggested that some of the spirits might have been uh, that of families that had mm. never left. Deaths included two documented suicides. Mm. A poisoning death, the rape and murder of an eleven-year-old, <gasps> drownings, and the passing of four men who froze to death. Most four. deaths, yeah. Huh? yeah, most deaths occurred within the Arnold family, from which Bathsheba's sermon was uh, descended. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so the state of Rhode Island actually doesn't require home sellers to disclose any kind of history of that oh. kind of stuff. So they don't have to say people were murdered, died, poisoned. Criminal killed. activity, paranormal stuff. Uh, yes, anything like that to do potential buyers, which is why uh, the parents were unaware. Yeah. Of wow. Like. I mean, you could say, okay, there's eight generations of, of people who have lived in that house from that family. But really, let's say, I don't know, four times eight, 32. Let's say it's like a, that 32 is not that many. Yeah. And to, to put in that four people have, frozen people have been poisoned people have been murdered that feels like a very high rate that is of abnormal deaths yeah that's like rolling a six a lot (laughs) yeah you're either very lucky or very unlucky (laughs) (laughs) that would be so annoying to move to a house and then realize that they didn't have to tell you that something happened to the house no Uh, james one who was um 
I think working on the script late once, um, he'd just adopted a new puppy and he said something like um, when he was writing the script, the puppy just started staring in a certain side of the room and Big started, uh, <laughs> and started to growl aggressively. And uh, yeah, Wan was saying how the puppy's head then kind of turned and followed something across the room, but James didn't see anything. Oh, no. Okay. I was going to say maybe it's because he was he was reading out loud, and then they found the dog dead outside, and it was very sad. And his dog's like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, "What?" <laughs> Slowly turns his head. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. Apparently, in the Philippines, uh, some some cinemas had to hire Catholic priests to uh, bless the viewers before <laughs> watching the movie. And wow. Yeah. And apparently this was uh, due to uh, a disproportionately high number of viewers uh, reporting that they had, you know, they felt like a negative presence after watching the movie. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Another uh, kind of cool thing was, um, so this film is R-rated. Okay. Yeah. Which is expect, you know, it's expected. However, yeah. the film contains no sex, no nudity, hardly any profanity. Mm. And the the violence is fairly tame and bloodless. Yeah. And there's brief depiction of uh, alcohol and there's no smoking, but yeah, it, you know, managed to get an R rating. So R rating. So it's all horror gore. Based on the scare, scariness, yeah. yeah. I do think that if this had anything other than an R rating, like it's surprising because it's the only thing that it has in this film. But I think that it would have taken away from how scary it is if it also had the other things like nudity, um, profanity, things like that. Because this film is very much about scaring people out of their, what's the, what's the phrase? I was going to say out of their shoes, but I really don't think that's a phrase. <laughs> out of their mind. <laughs> out of their mind, out of our minds. And so I kind of like that it got an R rating purely because it's a scary, scary film. Yeah. One bit that was really scary, and I forgot about it until just now, was when Lorraine Warren falls down that um, crawl space oh, into dear. the basement, yeah, and then yeah. the legs of Bathsheba are hanging. Oh. And then it turns, the legs turn around and come flying towards her. Oh my God. Just that whole claustrophobia, and oh, yeah, yeah that was probably the most uh, uncomfortable part of the movie. It's just, it's so scary because it you don't get a break. Like, you feel like you can have a bit, like you said, the respite. Oh, they're having breakfast. They're okay. Oh, no, something really scary happens. Then someone gets possessed. Then you see a full-body apparition. Then somebody's behind the door. Da, 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 da. One after the other. <laughs> you just can't get enough. Yeah, so, yeah, the last uh, kind of bit of trivia I've got here is, uh, so the real Bathsheba Sherman was suspected of witchcraft and mm. of killing her infant child. Or so that, an infant child. An infant child. Yeah, but... Her, her, but her name was actually legally cleared and she oh. was found not guilty uh, and she died of natural causes in 1885 not by hanging as the as the movie shows mm. yeah and buried in uh, Rhode Island as you as you described yeah I suppose you know loads of people were cast off as witches um, for absolutely no reason other than that they were women so it's actually quite nice to hear that she did just die of natural causes. And she, cause I get really sad when I hear stories of all oh, that she was a witch and she was kind of hung or burned at the stake because they're not, they're just women. They're just women. And, yeah. and so actually it's kind of a good ending that she just died naturally as, mm. as bad as that is. Cause yeah. She just... Yeah. Talking about um, women. Uh, I actually, I think one of the reasons why I'm drawn to the conjuring movies as well is just it's just nice uh, seeing Lorraine Warren. You know, she's the she is the hero of these movies. Yeah. Really, she's a woman, yeah. and she's not like one of these damsel in distress types. She's like no. the one who leads the pack when it comes to investigating the ghosts and whatnot. Absolutely, like yeah. Ed. You know, Ed tries to tell her at the beginning to stay home because she's yeah. weak. Yeah, and she was like, "I'm not having it. Like, we're a team. I'm coming with you. You need Absolutely. me. I need you." And what was nice is there was an equality to it with, you know, they, they needed each other for different things. And without the both of them, and I think that's probably why their relationship is so good as well, because it feels like they need each other yes. um, for different things. And absolutely, Lorraine is, is the star of the show. She's the, the person that drives it forwards. And I think it's because she has 
whatever the gift is. Yes. She has this kind of foresight and insight to really make you feel for her and, and the other characters. And her acting is phenomenal in that respect. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And she really cares about the characters. You know, she cares about Carolyn and she cares when she gets possessed. She wants her to be better. Like she's trying her hardest to get her. And yeah, it's it's actually a, a moving tale as well. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's a scary one. I think um, there was one thing about the film that I didn't like, and I wondered what you thought. And it was the ending. Which that, part of the ending? Just the end. <laughs> um, you actually <laughs> said at the beginning that you thought it was wrapped up in a nice bow and it was finished. And I actually have the opposite. Opinion. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought that, okay, they exercised Bathsheba, the yeah. witch. But what about Rory? What about the other? <laughs> I forgot the Bellin. <laughs> exactly like what happened to the rest of them and i guess like the true story about them still being haunted you know through the other 10 years kind of is a testament to the fact that i don't know they were just really happy that like the mum was back and there was like sun and they were all hugging each other and i was like but the house is still teeming with ghosts yeah are they all just going to go back in and like watch tv yeah i suppose because the other ghosts in the movie at least they don't do anything they just kind of they just kind of are like Rory yeah. doesn't do anything, but it's Bathsheba who's the one who's kind of like that kind of, yeah, you know, sitting on top of cupboards waiting. To oh, that them. was that was really scary. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. don't know. There was just something about it where they all seemed too happy and too like relieved. Like I wouldn't go back into that house after that, knowing that there's still like ten other ghosts that haven't found peace. I think you make a like... good point. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was the only thing I didn't like about it. I can totally imagine why this movie was such an insane hit when it first came out. Mm. Made a ridiculous amount of money. But obviously, after watching a lot of more modern horror movies since then, you know, the film is starting to show its age a little bit, but not in a bad way. But you can kind of see how a lot of other horror film filmmakers kind of took a lot of the elements that worked in this movie and kind of ran with them and ramped them up. Yeah. So it's kind of... um. So yeah, I suppose by today's standards, it seems a bit tame, but it's still yeah. still a solid movie, solid beginning, middle, end, very easy to understand story. It's one of those kind of stories where you don't even need to speak English to understand it. It's fairly universal. Yeah, but... absolutely. I think there are different types of horror films. There's the ones that knock your socks off because they're really scary, like yeah. this one. There's the ones that make you think, like us. Yes. And then there are ones that are cinematically amazing, like The Shining. Yeah. And so you've got different elements in all these different films. And then you've got ones that don't really hit the mark. I'm not naming any names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so there are just different ways of portraying horror. And this is just one of those good old-fashioned horror films mm. that's quite satisfying. 100%. We hope you enjoyed this month's Fright Fix. Join us next month as we'll explore a new horror film. We will be posting the movie a few days before the podcast episode is released on our social media. So be sure to follow us at Fright Fix if you want to watch the film ahead of time. If you would like to send us a message or want us to cover a scary movie on an upcoming episode, please feel free to contact us on Instagram or Twitter or email us at podcast at frightfix.com. See you next time.